It's time for High Plains Public Radio's weekly program, Growing on the High Plains. Here's Skip. My melon patch is a laboratory of sorts because I'm always experimenting and trying new types of this popular fruit. They vary according to my whims and the catalog descriptions at seed ordering time. Some seasons, the patch is full of large, orange-fleshed cantaloupe. At other times, long, lightly striped Charleston gray watermelons take the space. Or I might give in to one of my personal favorites, green-fleshed and smooth-skinned honeydews. Usually, I find room for several varieties. This year, my melon patch is a hodgepodge of a couple of icebox melons that sprang up from last year's compost pile, a row of cantaloupes, and then a large area dedicated to the growing of a wonderful little melon called Jenny Lind. I've grown this melon before, and each time I do, I swear that this is the best, the only melon to mess with. But then I stray away and try new things, suffering from occasional bouts of melon madness until I remember Jenny Lynn's virtues and return to a tried and true favorite. The seeds are in the heritage category because this melon has been around for over 150 years. It's named for the famous Swedish opera singer who toured America in 1850 and became one of the first celebrities thanks to P.T. Barnum. In 1846, the first botanical listing of a melon named Jenny Lind points to the possibility that the famous showman was planning in advance for the U.S. tour of the Swedish songbird, who had already gained a favorable reputation by singing for the crowned heads of Europe. When she arrived on American soil, it was all Jenny all the time, including a wildly popular muskmelon so that you could grow your own Jenny Lind in your own backyard. Barnum billed Jenny Lind as the Swedish nightingale, the world's sweetest singer. Her namesake melon displays many of her attributes, including sweetness and size. Described in seed catalogs as an heirloom melon, it's small, usually one to two pounds. It's also slightly flattened in shape, earning it a turban type in the melon world. The cross-hatched netting is very pronounced and the ribs are prominent, giving it a structure that's just made for dissecting with a sharp knife and eating out of hand. The flesh is light green, tinted toward a light cantaloupe beige at the center. The rigid rind makes a perfect bowl, so I serve them up by scooping out the seeds, then handing them out with a spoon and calling it good. And good it is. You may have to do a little searching for Jenny Lynn's seeds, but they aren't too hard to come by. Since it's a heritage plant, the seed could be saved from year to year without the mutations that sometimes comes from hybrids. I haven't tried that, but it may be in my garden cards for the next year. When I started writing this piece, I realized I didn't really know the difference between a cantaloupe and a muskmelon. I'm on the terminology trail, but so far haven't found any hard and fast answers. When I was growing up, the old-timers called anything that wasn't a watermelon a muskmelon, or sometimes mushmelon. Then the term cantaloupe came on the scene in our family circle, usually used for the harder rind, orange-fleshed melons, while muskmelons were larger, slightly elongated, and the edible inside had the color and consistency of a soft peach. I found Jenny Lind listed as a muskmelon but the sturdy rind makes me think cantaloupe, and the green flesh says honeydew. Whatever the proper name, 
I'd call this little melon delicious. Growing on the High Plains is a production of High Plains Public Radio. It's written and narrated by Skip Mancini and produced by the staff at HPPR. To listen to other Growing on the High Plains episodes, visit hppr.org.